And now, bringing you stories of success and how to achieve it, this is Anita Hales. Take the Boston Marathon, add a thousand miles or so, add hills, rivers, mud, snow, sub-zero temperatures, darkness, surprises, dangers, several hundred Alaska Huskies pulling a sled, and what you have is the Iditarod. The Iditarod race is currently underway out of Fairbanks, Alaska, and will continue until all the contestants that can possibly make it cross the finish line in Nome. For some, it will take about two weeks. For the winners, probably about eight days. The grueling race can make a traditional marathon look like a day in the park, taking its toll on both humans and canines. We are fortunate in our community to have a former Iditarod musher living and working locally. Angie Taggart is a local teacher who took time away from her teaching career to prepare for and participate in the Iditarod twice. She was inspired to do so after working for veteran musher Dee Dee John Rowe. The term musher comes from some lingo used to control the team. Mush means to go, G means go right, and ha means go left. The following is a chat I had with Angie recently about the race. I hope you'll share this with others and leave a comment at the end. It's really good to hear from you again, Angie. Yeah, good to hear you too. I know it's uh, it's been, what, two years since your last Iditarod run? It's been four. Four? Wow. I know. Time flies. <laughs> 2013, yeah, I know. So four Crazy. years, and um, you did it twice, right? Yep, 2011 and 2013. So uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, um, maybe for people that don't know what the Iditarod is, maybe you could go into that. Sure, yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, in a nutshell, it's a, it's a sled dog race. Um, you usually start with about 16 dogs, and you have to finish with five in Nome. It's over a period of um, almost up to... A couple weeks. Some people do it a lot faster in eight days, and it's about 1,100 to 200 miles long. So it's uh, going through about 20 to 26 checkpoints, depending on which route you're taking. Um, and checkpoints are places that you go through to check in, to get um, refill on um, dog food, gear, and different things that you need out on the trail. This started. Uh, why did they start doing this particular race? Um, the, the whole reason of this race was, um, well, one of the founders, Joe Reddington, he wanted to commemorate the, um, the sled dogs that hauled mail to all the different villages. And um, also back in 1970s, well, probably earlier, later 60s, um, the Iron Dog came out. And the Iron Dog is uh, basically a snow machine. And so that started replacing dogs in the villages because it was quicker and... Um, it just got things done a little quicker than with the dogs. And, um, that's kind of why he wanted to bring back this, the sled dogs and, uh, start this whole race. It takes a lot of work to get ready for these races, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. <laughs> tell, tell me what you have to do. Okay. Um, actually it's one of my least favorite things to have to do to get ready for the race, um, which is getting all your gear and food for you and the dogs. And what you have to do is you have to get that stuff taken care of two weeks before the race starts. And um, 
It entails um, packing packing bags up for each checkpoint, and you have to have at least 60 pounds going out to each checkpoint. Uh, if you don't do that, um, a lot of times the, the Iditarod Trail Committee will have you bring in more food in order to have that that much poundage to go out to each of the villages because they want to make sure that you have enough food for the dogs and um, that's basically what it comes down to is enough food and snacks for the dogs so um, yeah well I know um, my my grandkids came out that uh, one year and and helped you pack get some of that dog food ready mm-hmm. and uh, so it must must be a tremendous amount of food to feed, uh, what is it, 12 to 16 dogs or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because you, you plan on, you know, feeding 16 dogs throughout the race because you never know when you're going to drop a dog, which means leave them at a checkpoint if they get injured or they're tired or if they get sore from something. So, yeah, you have to. You have to plan ahead and just pretend that you're going to have 16 dogs through the whole race. You can't just be like, oh, I'll probably have about nine by the time I get halfway through it. So you have to plan ahead for that. And you never know. Um, also, if the if the weather changes, you can have the meat that you send out thaw and then spoil. So you have to kind of plan for that, too, because that did happen um, in my second race. It got to be pretty warm out and a lot of the meat was spoiled. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> mhm. Yeah, not fun. <laughs> yeah, so it's probably pretty expensive too, isn't it? Yeah, it is very expensive. Um, he ended up buying about a ton of meat, which entails to be about uh, it entails to be chicken and beef, and sometimes we have salmon and beef fat. Um, so you have to kind of plan ahead for that too, because again, you don't know if the weather's going to be cold or if it's really, really cold or if it's going to be warm and the beef fat, obviously you don't want to take a lot of that if it's going to be a warm run, but if it's going to be a cold run, you want a lot more of that. So two weeks out is kind of hard to tell because you know how weather can change and you just don't know what's going to happen in two weeks. Right. And you spent what about a year, uh, getting, in shape for, you know, and, and your dogs too, to get them ready for the race? Yeah, the first one, it was kind of, it kind of worked out really great. Um, the first one, I actually got to work with them from June until March because I ended up working with them in Skagway one summer, that summer. And um, I got to run them and get to know them because that was the first time I had met the, the team that I had bought from Ryan Reddington. And so... It was really a big blessing, but then the second year, um, we didn't start training till August, so I lost about three months there. So does the extra time help you, I mean, that make that much of a difference? You know, I think it, it really does, because um, especially in the summer when you're training, um, you're building muscle mass on the dogs. That's when they're pulling the four-wheelers, so we were doing ground tours. We weren't up on a glacier. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's where they build their muscle mass and, you know, in the fall, that's also what they're doing because we don't have snow at that point. So I think just having those few extra months to build up that muscle mass and then, then they start to get into that lean muscle mass once you get back, once you get onto the sleds. So I think, I think, you know, being a rookie, I didn't know a lot. So I was learning as I went, but now that I look back compared to the two years, I think my dog team, um, in 2011 was a lot stronger. 
we're all, all your dogs are huskies, right? Mm-hmm, Alaskan husky. And you choose them because of their uh, endurance, and uh, they mm-hmm. seem to be kind of made for it, don't they? Yep. It's uh, The breed is made up of about a, uh, 40 different breeds um, that have been bred over the last 45 years. Um, so they have a lot of different um, breeds, a lot of hunting dogs, believe it or not. They have a lot of greyhound, and they also have Siberian and some of the Malamute because they need that that fur and that's one of the actual rules in Iditarod that you have to have a descendant of a husky type dog because you need to have that nice thick undercoat for them to survive out in cold weather. You know there's been a lot of people that uh, have been critical of of the race because they they claim that it's uh, it's cruel to the dogs but uh, uh, from what I've seen they love it. Yes, definitely. And, you know, there's always going to be somebody out there that doesn't like something that you do, and that's in any sport or any realm of anything. But um, truth be told, I mean, if you ever go to any of those races, you'll see how crazy those dogs get. They're just pulling at the harnesses and wanting to go, you know. And and even when you stop out on the trail where nobody's watching, you know, they're still pulling. You have to make sure you're watching that they don't take off with the sled without you. So, uh, (laughs) you, you know. And they're barking. Some of them carry on and just sound like they're just just um, they're just really dying to go. They just love love to run. So, um, but that's what they're bred for. I mean, they're not a Chihuahua, so they're going to be wanting to do husky dog things, which would be pulling. So. Yeah, and they they seem that breed seems to have a lot of of endurance that other breeds of dog might not have. Yeah, exactly. And and that's, again, why they were bred that way. And um, some people actually run purebred Siberians, and they're great, too. They're really strong, but they don't have quite the endurance of the Alaska Husky. Yeah, I, I have an Alaska Husky. She loves the snow. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. They love it. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and uh, now... I know that a lot of things can happen on that trail and, uh, you know, people get injured and dogs get injured, but uh, uh, you have a lot of support along the way for thing- when things like that happen, don't you? Mm-hmm. There's vets There's vets at each checkpoint and um, they need to actually have a vet book that you carry with you and you guard it with your life because if you lose it along the way, you can get a penalty or... Um, I'm actually not sure if they would actually take you out of the race, but I know that it's a big no-no to lose that. And they need to check off, the vets need to check off every time you come into a checkpoint to say that you can go on with the dogs that you have. And uh, some of these guys, you know, um, have been doing this every race. I know that you see some of this, the same names, you know, Reddington mm-hmm. and CV and... Uh, well, there's two Reddingtons running this year. and Three of three, actually. Three? All three brothers. And some Mm -hmm. CVs running this year. And uh, Mm -hmm. Dee Dee John Rowe is in the race Mm -hmm. this year. I think it's her 34th. It's her 34th I did a rod. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, incredible. Um, (laughs) I mean, uh, her and Allie Zirkel. um, Mm -hmm. And uh, it's awful what happened to Allie Zirkel in that last Last race. Yeah, it was Uh, awful. And she's still having a hard time with it. Yeah, that... uh, Maybe for people that don't know what happened, uh, she was she had a snow machiner uh, ram her her team, and mm-hmm. 
it was a pretty awful thing. Didn't she lose a, a dog or two out of that? That was actually Jeff King. He also oh. did the same thing to Jeff King and ended up killing two of his dogs. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and so uh, you know some some guy, uh, who knows why he did it, but uh, uh, I guess there was alcohol involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yep. But uh, what a what a nightmare to have someone deliberately try to to injure you and your dogs. Gee. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and snow machines are always a concern when you're out running dogs anytime. I've been had many close calls where um, either people didn't see me or they're playing chicken or whatever it was. They, you know, but very scary. I've been lucky, though, and never got hit by anything. But um, there were a couple very close calls. Yeah, I guess uh, snow machiners don't really understand uh, how how mm-hmm. frightening and dangerous that can be. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, when the dogs can, um, you know, move from side to side so quickly, they might think they're trying to scare you, but a dog could step wrong and they could end up grabbing the whole team. So yeah. it's very, very dangerous. And what are some of the the hazards along the trail besides snow machines? Well, moose are probably the second or number one of uh, before the snow machines, especially in high snow years, because the moose want to stay on the groomed trails. They want to go on the trails that don't have deep snow. So, of course, where is that? That's where the dog dog teams are running and the snow machines are going over. Um, so, yeah, on a high high snow year, those are going to be um, big obstacles in your way. Luckily, I never have had a, a run in out on. Uh, a race. I've had it training, um, but yeah, they're pretty dangerous. Other than that, it would probably be more of like the overflow, um, the water that gets, comes up over the top of the, the ice. And then, um, you know, for various reasons of getting cold um, and also falling in open places in, in the ice. So yeah, those are a few of the things. And then there's obviously, you know, cliffs sometimes when you're going down mountain mountain areas so (laughs) that could always happen too yeah i guess you could fall off your sled too yes fall off a sled people have hit their heads and blacked out so yeah i mean anything could happen i guess (laughs) (laughs) and uh the conditions along the trail could be uh very cold sometimes Mm -hmm. wide out yep very wide out conditions where you can't even see from one checkpoint or one um marker to another um, I, I had that experience uh, one of the times when I was down on um, one of the lakes and it was blowing so hard that we couldn't tell anywhere where the trail had been or where it was going. So that was kind of scary. But, um, yeah, there's lots of different hazards out there. Probably, probably the cold is going to be one of the big ones, too, though, because um, you can only dress, you know, so, so many layers and then you're just cold. Yeah. And and if you do fall off the sled, the dogs won't necessarily stop and let you catch up, would they? No, not usually. I mean, I've been lucky a couple times I've fallen off. My snow hooks caught them one time, and then the other time um, they actually ended up stopping along the way. So I was really lucky that time. They just all laid down. I don't know if they were, like, wondering what happened to me or <laughs> I don't know why they stopped. <laughs> But it's good they did, huh? <laughs> yes, because I, I had I had just gone through um, overflow up to my waist, 
And so oh. I was soaking wet and walking down the trail at 20 below. And yeah, it was, it was kind of scary. Yeah. What's, what's the coldest you've seen it out on the trail? Um, on one of my first, very first races I ran to qualify, it was 48 below. Oh, brr. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was really, really, um, you know, and after I got done with that race, I'm like, well, can't get any worse than this. I'll do another one. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of course the dogs are tremendous athletes and, uh, you know, I, I am in, in awe of just watching them. I love watching the, the clips of the race and, and, mm-hmm. and seeing how they're, they're like poetry in motion. Yeah. And the crazy thing about it is they get stronger as the race goes on. It's like they build on them, you know, every, every step that they take, it builds. And, um, the kind of the cool thing is what I noticed, um, people had told me this, but I didn't know until I saw it happen for myself. But they say that once they get to about the 300 miles, because usually most races are two to 300 miles, once they get past that 300 mile mark, it's like they turn into a, this machine. It's just like a totally different um, way of running. It's it's hard to explain unless you see it, you know, with your own eyes. Hmm. And, just, and, of course, uh, you have to be quite the athlete, too, in order to, to have the endurance to, to do something like that. I remember <laughs> when you were doing it uh, prior you were having a little trouble gaining enough weight. <laughs> yeah, I lost 50 pounds, I think, by the time it came around. So, yeah, I was having a hard time keeping weight on, and people were like, you got to keep eating. I'm like, I eat all the time. I'm just burning <laughs> calories so much, you know, and, and the dogs do the same. They burn about 10,000 a day when they're running in, in a race like Iditarod. Yeah. So, yeah, it's hard, especially when you're fighting the cold and you're so active, and, you know, you have both things coming at you. Yeah, a little little extra fat could help keep you warmer. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Eat a lot of bacon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, are you glad you did it? Oh yeah, I I miss it. I I get a little little antsy, uh, little butterflies in my tummy every time that I did a rod starts. Actually, each year I just kind of long to be out there and and just the com- camaraderie with the other bushers. Um, is really, really, um, really cool, and I just—it's—it's it's really hard. That's why I have to go to Hawaii during this time, just to <laughs> get in a different mindset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know uh, the mushers have quite a, a community among themselves. I know when they had uh, was that a year or two ago that they had the fires mm-hmm. up in the interior, and it burned some of the mushers' homes. Yeah, quite a few of them. Yeah, Dee Dee Jonro even was one of them that had lost her home, too. So, yeah, there was a, a big, you know, outpouring of uh, support and, you know. And it was for other people, too. I mean, they were helping other people, non-mushroom yeah. stuff. So that was really awesome. Um, and I know but, some like, some people rescued some of the dogs. and. Yep, yep. Uh, people were really helpful loading up dogs, getting them out of there. Mushers were taking other mushers in. Um, it was it was really great. Yeah, of course that's that's Alaskans in general. They're yeah yeah you're right totally. <laughs> They'll help every help you out no matter what. Give their shirt off their back. So. That's right. 
But uh, yeah, maybe maybe cold weather up here, but a lot of warm hearts. Yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Well, uh, I know uh, we're right in the middle of the the Iditarod right now. Um, uh, I was just looking at the stats. Looks like uh, we got three mushers into Ruby just a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the the race is on. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and we see you know CV's up there in second right now. Yeah, he's trying he's to get good. his fifth win, which will be only the second person to ever do that. And uh, they kind of called, said that there's a curse that, that people, once they win four, they can't get that fifth one. You know, it seems like they do so well, and then they just can't get to that fifth one. But I think CV has a real good chance of doing it. So um, Well, he's right up there. He is, but it's early. It's still early. You know, things can really change change before that. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of kind of rooting for Allie Zirkel. I'd like to oh, see her. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's who <laughs> I want to win. Or even a new guy, a new a new guy or a new gal that. Oh yeah. Has never won it before. I just would love to see some new blood in there. You know. That would be great too. Yeah. But for sure. uh, yeah, it's a it's a wonderful race, and and uh, I think uh, anybody that finishes that race is, has got to be a hero because. Uh, <laughs> Uh, all the the things that they have to go through. There's you know, a lot of them that scratch before it gets over because mm-hmm. it's it's just uh, the the incredible endurance and uh, the athletic ability of both the mushers and the dogs is just incredible. I agree. I agree. Yeah, it is. It's it's really still hard to even believe that I've even done it once or even twice. Um, you know, it just it's just. It just doesn't, you know, people come up and say, oh, you're, you're the one that ran the idea. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I am, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's, I don't know, it just seems like, it, I, even when I finished, it still seemed like I really just didn't do this thing, you know. It was just, I don't know. It's so hard to explain, but it was awesome, and I, I want to do it again. I really do. So I hope that in, in 10 years when I retire that I'll, I'll still be good in, in good health and um, wanting to do it still. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But you're you're busy being a teacher now, right? Yep, back to teaching and teaching third grade and and loving it for sure. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I've heard some of your, some of your kids saying, oh, "We got Angie Taggart's our teacher, and she's a musher." <laughs> <laughs> oh, they love the dogs too. Really, yeah. it's all about the dogs. They don't really care much about <laughs> the musher. They're like, when do we get to meet your dogs? <laughs> yeah, and how many dogs do you have now? I have uh, 13 dogs right now. Yeah, that's that's probably a, a house full. Yeah, yeah, I have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight right now laying down, laying here in the living room, three on the couch. <laughs> so, yeah, they pretty much rule the roost. Yeah. Well, you got your family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Warm, fuzzy family. <laughs> okay, well, um, this this is great. I, I was glad to talk to you again. I've been wanting to talk to you for quite some time because, uh, you know, every time the idea rod rolls around, I think about you. And, Aw, thank know. you. But uh, I hope you get to do it again, and uh, mm-hmm. let's, uh, let's all root for Allie and... Uh, oh, definitely. And see... See what happens here in the next few days. See who comes in uh, up there at Nome. Yes, definitely. Sounds like a great, great plan. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll talk to you later, Angie. Okay. Thanks a lot, Anita. You bet. Goodbye. Bye-bye.
Now, I know you're going to be very excited to share this with other people. And be sure and leave me a comment about the best things that you liked about this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. This is Anita Hales.